Travel Inspirations is delighted to sponsor In Case You Missed It with Joe Hadsel, the podcast by the Joplin Globe that brings insightful weekly news to the four states. Hello and welcome to In Case You Missed It, sponsored by Travel Inspirations. I'm Joe Hadsel, and in this week's episode, we'll recap the five biggest local news stories of the week. Also, as part of honoring the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing in 1969, we'll speak with NASA astronaut Janet Cavandi about that historic event, her childhood memory of it, and how NASA is now working on Project Artemis, a return to the moon for the first time since 1972. And now... In case you missed it, July 14, 2019. The Neosho City Council accepted the resignation of city manager Leland Butcher and released him from his employment immediately, granting him an extra two months of salary. He was earning an annual salary of $95,000. According to city policy, Police Chief David Kennedy was appointed as interim city manager. The reason for the resignation of Butcher, who was hired in September, remains unclear. According to a prepared city statement released Thursday after a special meeting of the city council, the reason for his departure is considered a personnel matter and will not be discussed by city staff or officials. Mayor William Dubeck cited Butcher's acumen and proficiency with strategic planning during his time with the city. A six-year-old girl was electrocuted when she tried to use a vacuum to inflate her swimming pool. McDonald County Sheriff Michael Hall identified the girl as Anastasia Edmonds. He said authorities were called to the girl's home on Split Log Road, outside of Goodman, but emergency responders were unable to revive her. He said the girl's parents had performed CPR when they found her and called 911. Jasper County was one of 20 counties in Missouri to be approved for federal funding assistance after President Donald Trump signed Governor Mike Parson's major disaster declaration request. The federal funding will allow residents and businesses impacted by flooding, tornadoes, and severe storms that began on April 29th and afterwards to apply for Federal Emergency Management Agency assistance for things such as temporary housing, housing repairs, and the replacement of household items. Parson made the request on June 24 after preliminary damage assessments concluded 953 homes were destroyed or sustained major damage throughout the state, as well as 125 businesses. The governor visited Carl Junction the day after an EF3 tornado hit the region on May 22 and damaged more than 300 homes. Commissioners of the Joplin Housing Authority are assessing how to correct a failing score received from the agency's last federal audit. Executive Director Matt Moran said the low score is related in part to a high tenant turnover rate, plus extra downtime for some units that have to be repaired after they're damaged by tenants. Although the authority received high scores for the overall condition of its low-income housing units and the handling of its bills and finances, a low score for property management gave it a substandard rating for management issues, according to a letter sent by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. The authority had 65 turnovers of its 275 rentals during the 2018 audit year. And finally this week, a two-year-old black bear was captured Thursday near Rangeline Road in Joplin, but state authorities said the bear had to be euthanized. 
Authorities with the Joplin and Jasper County Animal Control Departments, Joplin and Duquesne Police, and the Missouri Department of Conservation shot the bear with tranquilizer darts in an area of trees at 11th Street and Rex Avenue at about 5.20 p.m. Thursday in order to capture it, according to a statement from the Joplin Police Department. The bear was turned over to the Conservation Department. Francis Skalicki, spokesman for the Conservation Department, said the agency does not like to euthanize animals, but in this case it had to be done because the bear had become used to being in the city and had not moved on. The department had been following this bear since an initial report on July 1, Skalicki said. The bear was a problem for several landowners because it had gotten into beehives, trash cans, and it had even killed a chicken. Though no one fed the bear, it seemed to have gotten totally habituated to humans and human food. We'll be right back with Janet Cavandi. Travel Inspirations is a full-service travel agency in the four states with over 20 years of experience in planning group tours, company incentives, and leisure cruises. Joe and Nancy are eager to customize itineraries to make travel dreams come true. Travel Inspirations is exceeding your expectations in designing your vacation. Follow them on Facebook at Travel Inspirations Carthage or visit them online at travelinspirations.travel or call 417-526-4500. Welcome back. Janet Cavandi had turned 10 years old three days before Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin took their first historic steps on the moon on July 20th, 1969. She eventually followed them into space after graduating from Missouri Southern State University and earning master's and doctorates in chemistry and working at Eagle Pitcher Industries. She was selected as a member of the 15th class of U.S. astronauts at NASA and logged more than 33 days in space across three space flights between 1998 and 2001. Cavandi is now the director of NASA's John H. Glenn Research Center in Cleveland and oversees that center's missions of research, technology, and systems development. Fifty years after humankind's first steps on the moon, she is part of an effort to return to the moon for the first time since 1972. Named Project Artemis, this effort seeks to have astronauts take the first steps on the moon's south pole and pave the way for a sustainable human presence on the moon by 2028, a crucial stepping stone that will eventually lead to a manned mission to the planet Mars. Cavandi talked to us about where she was during those first historic steps 50 years ago, what she's learned about the Apollo missions while at NASA, and the potential Project Artemis has to benefit humanity. Hello, Dr. Cavandi. How is the weather over in Cleveland? I assume that's where you're talking to me from today, or are you in Washington, D.C.? I am in Cleveland today, and it is a nice sunny day here in Cleveland. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Uh, the, we are a week, about a week away from the 50th anniversary of the uh, moon landing. I'm wondering how that played a role in your drive and a desire to become an astronaut. What do you remember about that day? I was young uh, that day, but I did realize the significance of the moon landing. I think everybody in the world recognized the significance of the moon landing, you know, that day. Um, I remember being at my grandmother's house and watching everything on TV. And then I think they were getting ready to talk about coming outside of the limb and, and doing the first spacewalk. And it was evening, if I recall correctly. And I think my grandmother was like, well, it's time for bed. And I'm like, N but they're about to walk on the moon. <laughs> you, you, we surely can stay up past bedtime to watch the first people on the moon. And she's like, but it's not real. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it is real. So, you know, I think um, I, I told someone else not too long ago, I, 
I had to miss the first steps on the moon because it was past my bedtime, evidently. My oh, grandmother. no. <laughs> but, of course, I, I – and I never told Neil Armstrong that or Buzz Aldrin that. But <laughs> but I always thought – and I got to see it many, many, many times, of course, afterwards. But I did think that was a tragedy, you know, to not, to not oh, be able to no. watch that live. Uh, yeah, that oh man, that is horrible. Uh, I, I, I man, I'm sending you all kinds of sympathy for that. <laughs> um, the thanks to stories such as Hidden Figures, uh, we're learning more about how much work it took just to launch ships in space in general. Um, now that you are on staff in NASA, I have a, I have a feeling you know a lot more about the moon landing. Uh, what has a What's unfolded itself to you? What kind of hidden details have you learned about the moon landing uh, that have affected or influenced you? So I'm, you're talking about the original moon landings back in the Apollo time frame. I think what I'm learning now is since we're talking about returning to the moon again, we <laughs> want to make sure that we learn the lessons from the past, that we don't you know, make any mistakes that we shouldn't be making because we have already learned those, those lessons already. And that we're planning to do everything as safely as possible so that when we go back for the Artemis program now, we kind of have a step ahead by taking those lessons that we've learned from the past. So that's what I think I'm learning now. And, and actually just how hard it was. You know, we, we think it was, and it was, one of humanity's greatest achievements. But it was really hard. Uh, and and yeah. we went so fast, and we pushed so hard because we had a timeline given us to by the given to us by the president at the time, and we had a very very large budget with which to make that accomplishment come true. Um, these days we we have a, a deadline <laughs> given to us by the president yeah. again, but we have a, a significantly lower budget with which to do it. So we are trying to go back and be as efficient economically as we can, but still try to achieve these great goals of, of putting humans back on the moon. And actually for a, a new reason now, we don't want to just go and because there's a space race, right? And we're not trying to beat another country there for, for those right. kinds of reasons. We are actually trying to sustain humans off the planet Earth, learn how to live in another location that's hostile, like the moon. And if we know that we can live on the moon and make food and water and, and a habitat that protects us, then we can take all of that information and we can put it on an even further this destination, which would be Mars. That's the next closest planet. And eventually we hope that we can put humans on two habitable planets, um, which helps for a lot of reasons. But one is just to help ensure the survivability of the species, just in case one of those big asteroids has our name on it again, like it has in the past, the one like yeah. wiped out the dinosaurs. If that were to happen again or some other horrible thing were to happen to the Earth, we would not eliminate the entire species. You bring up a really remarkable point in that part of the reason we made that moon landing 50 years ago was that we wanted to get there first before other countries. Mm -hmm. But correct me if I'm wrong, but... In the Artemis Project, there is a significant role for international cooperation. Right. So, and, and that's true. And we have been using international cooperation for quite some time, as evidenced by the International Space Station, of course, which has many, many countries, and you know, all the European 
union countries or most of them we have you know the japanese the uh, canadian and of course the russian partners uh, with us on the international space station and so we will have similar types of partnerships even with possibly more countries when we attempt the lunar missions um, now the administration has made it fairly clear that they want the first return to the moon to have Americans on that crew. But yeah. at, subsequent to that, I think it's, it's all up for grabs as to which partners would, would work with us to be you know, the next nation to, to land humans on the moon, who will be contributing yeah. which components of the platform and orbit around the moon and the landers on the moon. So all those things are hoped to be international endeavors. I imagine the technology uh, or the pace of technology um, makes space travel easier today than it was 50 years ago. Um, I know that most people can identify, you know, with how their the, the, the computer in their cell phone has infinitely more computing power right. than the computers that were used to make that launch, uh, that launch happen. Uh, thanks to movies like uh, the, the recent uh, adaptation of a movie by the book by Andy Weir. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Martian, that's the name of the book. Uh, right. We've learned much more about how technology can help out. Uh, what uh, what roles do you see technology making this easier? Well, of course, computing technologies is, is a key one, right? Because uh, computers are much uh, you know, lighter. And so if you don't have to carry the weight of the actual computers, you can carry more fuel or you can carry food or you can carry things that you need to sustain humans on on the surface of the moon but things like you know the evolution of 3d printing for instance being able to print uh, or layer tools that you would need in space so if you you break that wrench that you really needed that was the only wrench that fit this particular you know nut then you you Mm. you would be out of luck if you if you couldn't make another one some of the new materials that we've developed, the high-temperature materials, the heat shields, the parachute systems are so much more improved now. The fuel systems transferring fuels to keep us up there longer, the cryogenic storage of those fuels, the different types of engines that we have now that are far more efficient than engines we've had in the past. All those things have evolved significantly over the past 50 years. I'm glad you mentioned Artemis because that's probably the most exciting part about looking at what happened 50 years ago, that we are preparing to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, You wrote in USA Today that a proposed budget amendment for this project could help create more jobs and secure U.S. leadership in space exploration. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you elaborate on how impacting Artemis could be on our economy, our way of life, our society? Mm -hmm. So if we do think back to the Apollo time frame, and again, we did this for a different reason at that point in time, it was a significant portion of the federal budget. And we're not proposing that we go back to anywhere near those those numbers of federal budget that would be put towards space exploration, but, but we did employ a lot of people. And, and the other, not just at that point in time, but the spinoff technologies, all of the industries that were developed as a result of going to the moon, all the technologies that were developed as a result of going to the moon, all the aerospace industries that evolved over time, and in the the technologies that we use for space exploration, we often use in aero, aeronautics, um, the aeronautics industry as well. So there's a lot of synergy between the two. 
um, the communications technologies the way we're talking right now. We could not have spoken this way, you know, 50 years ago. A lot of the medicines and the telemedicine and the way we communicate globally with respect to healthcare, a lot of that has evolved from the space program. Uh, and most people don't even know that. The maps on our phones that guide us around where we don't have the big paper accordion maps that we'd have to unfold and figure out where you are. <laughs> you know, people, if you, if you didn't grow up with it, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But, you know, just just getting walking from one building to another in a city you don't know, that's so much simpler now because we just pull out our phone and we can do almost anything with our phone. So all of these things that have evolved over time as a result of that initial effort to do space exploration, it's incredible. And I think we have just learned to take it for granted. To me, it's fitting that the project is named Artemis uh, because the pro the program is offering a tremendous opportunity for the first woman to take steps on the moon. If Sally Ride was such an important role model and a pioneer for you, how influential would a woman stepping on the moon be to future generations? Yes, and, and we just actually spoke about that earlier today. I think, you know, most women in the program hope that they were selected to be in the program and believe that they were because it you know based it was based on their talents right their technical prowess their accomplishments their their grades in school their their relative experience um, because we in this country have now grown pretty accustomed to knowing that we're getting jobs based on our skills right not as token individuals um, because someone had to put us in for for that kind of reason we don't want to be ever put into a job just as a token symbol for something but because we really earn it um, so I think we have so many women in the office now that completely fill the qualifications needed to do a lunar landing I don't think we have to try to put a, a female on the moon as a symbol. However, the other side of that coin is that uh, I, I always wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid, but uh, and I, I remember watching that lunar landing, but I didn't see any women there, and I was wondering if it was ever really a possibility for me because I knew they were all male, I knew they were all test pilots. It wasn't until I was out of high school when they had the first shuttle class that have scientists, that had scientists in there, they had engineers, they had non-military types, and they had women, and, and people of color. So it was a whole new door opening to show people who weren't the typical white male test pilot that, that space exploration could be possible for pretty much anybody who had the desire to do a technical degree, to do really well, and it just, it just symbolizes that you are now someone who could apply to do this job. So I think the significance is that sometimes people need to see someone like them doing a job so that it becomes a possibility for them to think that they now have this as a choice in life. Uh, and not just in this country, actually, because I, I said in this country we have evolved to the point where it's not a big deal uh, as much as it used to be. But in other countries around the world, when they see the first female on the moon, um, I think it will be tremendously um, impactful for third world countries or countries where female, females don't have the same freedoms that they do in this country or the same rights that we have in this country. I think that could be even more impactful than it is for or it will be for the people of our, our great country here in the United States. 
Artemis is a project with lofty goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen estimates. Uh, it originally started with getting back on the moon by 2028. The president has moved that deadline up to 2024. What role do you see private enterprises uh, working with NASA are, as people like Elon Musk uh, develop their technologies to get out into space? Are there possibilities for public-private partnerships to make this happen? I think there are always, you know, ways we plan to use commercial uh, companies to help make the the lunar endeavors and the Mars endeavors a possible uh, a reality. I think that uh, for this initial landing, I I know that we're planning to go out to industry to help industry um, or to let industry give us products that we can use to make these lunar. Um, vehicles possible, the the ones that will be in orbit around the moon and the ones that will go to the surface of the moon. So by default, we will have commercial partners. If you're talking specifically, you know, people like, you know, you you mentioned SpaceX uh, and, and there are several other companies out there. I think they will always be part of our plan to use commercial like like we have right now in the International Space Station, we have inter, uh, the commercial resupply vehicles. They will also want to put humans on the on the moon, and I think we can go in concert, and we can go um, sometimes together, sometimes separately. They they will probably want to sell seats where NASA can't. You know, they will do it for a profit. NASA doesn't sell seats for a profit, um, but right. we can still work together and learn from each other's technologies, mistakes, and and uh, successes to make it as safe for as many people as possible. I know uh, Eagle Pitcher batteries uh, made right here in Joplin have uh, played a role in several space uh, explorations, and I'm sure that they're hoping that their batteries will be uh, powering those flights early. For those of us who are thrilled about the prospect of returning to the moon, how can we show support? Uh, What do we tell our friends? What do we tell our kids? What can we do? Well, I think... A lot of the success of these kinds of things depend on political support because, you know, the administration and Congress are the way we get our financial uh, and political support to continue. So if you let your representatives know that you believe in the program and you want to support it, you want them to continue to support it by voting on the appropriations for for the uh, funding of the the program, that it goes a, a long, long way to help us continue this effort. Dr. Cavandi, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will save a seat at the uh, table for all the great restaurants uh, that you that you grew up around here in Carthage. And thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We thank appreciate you, you talking much. to us. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. And that will do it for this week's episode of In Case You Missed It, sponsored by Travel Inspirations. All of what you've heard and so much more can be read in each day's issue and on our website, joplinglobe.com. This week, we'll have plenty of stories about the Apollo 11 moon landing, including the roles played by residents of the four states area. If you subscribe, you'll be able to read every single one of those stories. So if you're not a subscriber, call us at 417-623-3480 to start. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. We appreciate you supporting local journalism. I'm Joe Hadsel. On behalf of all of us at The Globe, we hope you have an astronomical week.
Travel Inspirations is delighted to sponsor In Case You Missed It with Joe Hadsel, the podcast by the Joplin Globe that brings insightful weekly news to the four states.